0: Hi, this is Father Jonathan. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to the Grace Church podcast. I think that because you've tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that the next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more what's going on at Grace Church, please visit us at graceocala.org. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. I love worshiping at this church, uh, not just because it's such a beautiful space, but because Jesus is clearly present here. Um, I was with you in January, and uh, I don't know about you, but this Michigander is ready for it to be January again (laughs) in Florida. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just a few nights ago, I was at a fundraiser event for an organization um, down in Orlando, where I live, that, uh, an organization that works with the poor. A friend of mine invited me, and uh, we went in our collars. It was a Christian uh, service center event. And so uh, whenever we sat with people that we didn't know, uh, because of our priest garb, there was naturally an interest in conversation uh, with us as two young priests. And at one point, we went, met a woman named Kelly. And Kelly um, had quite possibly been spending quite a bit of time at the free bar stations. Um, And we were talking about our work, and almost out of nowhere, it seemed, Kelly uh, said something about knowing all about the God of the Bible who uh, kills everyone with a flood and then makes a rainbow to say, I'm sorry, or threatens to uh, turn people into pillars of salt. Now, I was initially annoyed at her snarky comments and said something like, Yes, those are difficult passages, but there's a little more to the story than that. The seminary-trained priest in me was ready to go head-to-head with Kelly and uh, defend my position on these issues, defend the Bible. Thankfully, the conversation kind of moved somewhere else, and my friend and I started to sense a real brokenness uh, in this woman, and she had uh, said she was a Christian but had stopped going to church for some reason or another. And it turns out, that Kelly was just being provocative or maybe maybe it was just the wine speaking but it was a reminder to me that people have complex views of God especially when it comes to God in the Old Testament As I was thinking about our passage from Exodus today, I couldn't help but remember one of the movies I was allowed to watch as a young, uh, sheltered, homeschooled boy, which was that 1956 classic, The Ten Commandments, starring, of course, the one and only Charlton Heston as Moses. You guys remember that one? Yeah, some of you do. Some of you are too young. You You don't even know that movie exists. Well, I remember the scene where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And God shows up as um, what could only be described as a fire tornado, um, and he's spinning around in front of the stone tablets. And one by one, out come these flames that shoot and explode, and it's like sparklers going off on the stone on the stone tablets. And the commandments are being written. Now, do you remember God's voice? I'm going to give you my best impersonation. It was something like this. I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God sounded like uh, really grumpy, like a really grumpy basso profundo. <laughs> I mean, let's be serious. If you heard this uh, someone talking with this voice, you'd say to yourself, this guy is having a really bad day. Uh, It reminded me actually of a geography teacher I had in middle school who, anytime the students would start chuckling about something he said, he would sternly say, this is not a laughing matter. Uh, The giving of the commandments in this movie and this portrayal was definitely not a laughing matter for God. It's funny, but again, it's a popular portrayal or popular perception of who God is in the Old Testament. My guess is that this is the God Kelly thinks of when she imagines God in the Old Testament. I think for that reason, it's important for us to look kind of carefully at our passage today from Exodus and ask how it actually portrays God. Now, Father Jonathan asked me to preach on stewardship today, probably uh, one of a preacher's least favorite subjects to have to talk about. So thank you, Father Jonathan, your good friend. Um, But before we can talk about stewardship, that is what God expects of us for how we live, what demands he makes on our lives, we have to first talk about who God is and what God is like, according to scripture. The spiritual writer A.W. Tozer famously wrote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because, he said, there's something in our soul that tends to move towards, gravitate towards our mental image of God. So here's how it works. Who we understand God to be will have a significant impact on how we respond to the demands he makes on our lives, to his commandments. Uh, If you want to follow along, we're going to look at the beginning of the passage, and you'll notice that actually before God gives any commandments, he makes a, a, a declarative statement. He says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Okay, we have to stop right there before we can go any further and ask, what's he saying here? Why is he making this statement? He's saying this, Hey guys, before we get into any of this commandments business, before I tell you how I expect you to live, know this, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. When you were back there in Egypt living miserable lives as slaves and you could do nothing about your condition and you cried out for help, I'm the one who answered and delivered you. I made you my treasured possession and brought you into freedom. Friends, that's grace. That's the unmerited and undeserved favor of God in the Old Testament, by the way. God is a rescuer, a father, a caregiver, a liberator. Here's what this shows us. Before God demands our obedience, he demonstrates that his interest in us is relational, relational. Before he demands our obedience, he demonstrates that his interest in us is relational. Before he ever gives commands, he makes his people his own. He didn't do this. Notice that he doesn't do this. Hey, Israelites, listen up. Here's ten commandments. See if you can follow seven out of ten or more. And then, if you can, maybe then I will consider being the Lord your God. No. He shows them first that he cares for them and wants to be involved in their lives. Now, this is nothing less than an Old Testament foreshadowing of what God ultimately does in Jesus Christ, by coming down to make us his own, by delivering us from our slavery to sin and death, and to call us into a relationship with himself before we can do anything. St. Paul wrote, God proved his love for us, And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the thing. God's gracious initiative in moving toward us is the foundation of all stewardship. Don't forget this. This is fundamental to everything else we talk about today. So now that we're starting to get a glimpse of who God is, as revealed in Scripture. We can begin to ask, what does he ask of us? What are these commandments about? Well, we have to start with the first one because it's foundational to all the rest. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, stewardship is actually really about having no other gods before him. It really is. God is saying this to the Israelites. I don't want anything or anyone coming in between me and the people that I loved and redeemed and brought into a relationship with myself. I don't want anything coming in between us. So here's what the temptation was for the Israelites. Living in the ancient Near Eastern world, there were a number of supposed deities that one could turn to for different needs. So for instance, if you had uh, issues with fertility, you would go and make a sacrifice to such and such a god over here. Um, If you needed victory in war, you would go and make sacrifice and burn incense to this god over here. If you needed rain for your crops, you would go to this god over here and pray for rain for your crops and make a sacrifice and so on and so forth. So there was always a temptation for people in the ancient Near Eastern world to go go to other gods to provide for their needs, and God says, I want to be your one-stop shop. In fact, I'm the only true God, but more about that later. He says, I want you to trust me, to come to me for everything, Now, what does this mean for us? I realize that we don't have pagan deities that we generally run to, like if we want a hurricane to blow back out to sea, or uh, we want to score a good new job or something like that, but we do have other things that become gods in our lives, and this is where we have to talk about stewardship. So we're just going to look at a few of these, a few issues today, three in particular, drawing on the commandments that God gives the Israelites. The first is this, time, stewardship of time. Um, And that is based on the commandment to take a Sabbath rest. God says this, everybody takes a day off. Everybody takes a day off. This is what I call the workaholic's least favorite commandment. Because there's so much money to be made. There's so many emails to be answered. There's so many clients to meet with. So many meetings to be had. But God says, no, you need to rest. For a day, because A, I created you not just for work, but for rest and leisure, for the enjoyment of creation. And B, I rested and delighted in my own work of creation. And C, you need to relinquish control over your life for a day, just so you don't forget who is actually running the show. That's hard for some of us. Now, if we view God, if our view of God is as a stingy and distant We'll think, we'll, we'll start to think and live like our world depends on what we do, on how productive we can be, on how much we can do to provide for our families and ourselves. But if we view God as present and in control, we can take our hands off for a day, enjoy our families, enjoy our friends, our pets, enjoy creation. The famous uh, rabbi Abraham Heschel wrote this about Sabbath. We enter not simply a day, but an atmosphere. The goal is creating the Sabbath as a foretaste of paradise. Here's the thing about stewarding time, taking this time to rest, is it's practice for the eternal rest that is promised to us in Jesus Christ. Number two, relationships stewardship of relationships. We get a whole handful of relationships such as honor your mother and father, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear fault witness. And all of these have a common thread, which is that they deal with how we relate to others, how we relate to other people. It's a stewardship of relationships issue. And it challenges us to ask this, are my relationships all of them marked, characterized by mercy and fidelity. Husband, do you love your wife as Christ loves the church? Or do you constantly daydream about other women and complain about her? Wife, do you seek to encourage and build up your husband or do you complain about him to your friends? Here's why these relationship things are so important. God came and established the most perfect, faithful relationship with us in Jesus. Perfect fidelity to us. He carried his cross for the sake of this relationship. And so he asks us to carry our cross in our relationships with others. Maybe for you, that cross is figuring out how to honor your parents when you strongly disagree with them. Maybe it's putting an end to something that you know deep down inside is endangering your marriage, or another relationship in your life. Now, maybe you haven't thought about it like this, but every relationship that God has given to us with another person is something that he charges us to steward. So the question for us is, is our image of God's compassion and perfect self-giving love toward us shaping the way we treat other people? Number three, <clears throat> this is the big uncomfortable one, so brace yourself. Run to the bathroom right now if you don't want to hear it. <clears throat> money. Money money is a big stewardship issue, and God uh, says one of the final commandments, or the final commandment is don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't be drooling over your neighbor's spouse or their uh, Lamborghini or their condo on the beach, whatever it is, or their job. And here's what this commandment tells us tells us that God cares about how we relate to our possessions. God is deeply concerned about how we relate to our possessions. Now, when a preacher starts talking about money, a lot of us might say, well, I tithe, so I'm good, I can tune out now, right? Uh, But here's the thing, coveting or greed or how we relate to our money and our possessions, um, these are issues that are subtler than you think. In fact, here's how it works. If you feel that you have no problems with it at all, you probably do. Most of us do. Here's here's how it works. We're, we're willing to give. <clears throat> to some length, so long as it doesn't really cost us any discomfort, so long as everything in our life can go on as normal, we can enjoy all the normal everyday luxuries that we have. Now, for some people, um, when it comes to tithing, a 10% tithe will actually really make things difficult and tight, and it's truly a sacrifice. Um, But for some people, 10% doesn't even make a dent in their income. So this issue isn't ultimately about giving your church a particular tithe, though tithing is an important part of stewardship. It's a bigger, really, it's a bigger issue than that. I want to suggest this. I want to suggest that God requires us to bear a cross, not only in our relationships with other people, but in the economic sphere of our lives as well. Our generosity should be such that we feel it in some way. Uh, C.S. Lewis, that well-known eloquent author, put it like this. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do, because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Ouch. Ouch. That's hard for all of us to hear. But you see, Jesus' sacrifice was incredibly costly. It cost him everything. It hurt. He felt it. Literally, in his body, he suffered. But it was his character to give himself away like that. And he asks us to share in that character with him. See, if our view of God is of Jesus giving everything to make us his own, the economic aspect of our lives will be shaped by a risky and uncomfortable willingness to give. When Paul was... um, Talking to the church in Corinth about a need in another church and encouraging them to give so that these other believers who were in need um, could have, he didn't just say, You know what? Just do it because I'm your bishop and I told you so. He didn't even say, You know what? Just do it because God said you need to do it. He actually pointed to Jesus, and here's what he said For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. See, Paul knew that people's understanding of God should be what influenced their stewardship. It wasn't just a list of do's and don'ts. Now, here's the big thing about all of this. The gospel, is a free gift. It's a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. We are adopted into God's family just because God is like that. He loves. He has compassion. He wants to be in relationship with his creatures. But there are conditions for those who will live and be a part of his family, conditions ultimately of stewardship. That's what the Ten Ten Commandments are about, the right way to live as God's people, the right way to reflect God's character in the world by a right stewardship of time and relationships and possessions. It's also what the parable we heard today is about. This vineyard Jesus describes as the relationship that God gave to his people, to the Israelites. But if they aren't bearing fruit, he says, if God's people are always killing the messengers who come and demand what belongs to God, then God is going to take the vineyard away and give it to others. Maybe what happened... Maybe what happened is this. Maybe the tenants started to think of the vineyard owner as distant and stingy and grumpy and demanding, so they decided they would not give him what was owed. Maybe they forgot that the vineyard was a free gift that they were just borrowing from a really generous king. Do you see why our view of God is so important when we talk about stewardship? It will actually affect how we live, how we steward everything that he's given us. But if we show ourselves faithful in these areas, here's what will happen. Our relationship with God will actually deepen because our trust in him will be strengthened. We'll see him provide for us in ways that we never thought he would. We'll start seeing his miraculous provision. We'll get excited about seeing how he uses our time, our relationships, our possessions to advance his mission in this world. Our colleague earlier at the beginning of the service said that God is, quote, ready to give more than we either desire or deserve. That is the kind of generosity our Heavenly Father invites us to share in when he makes us stewards of his vineyard. Pray with me. Gracious Father in heaven, we've done nothing to... Make you our Father, our provider, our liberator. So we thank you for that. We place ourselves before you in humility and uh, ask you to give us a bigger vision of who you are and how you want to provide for us, how you want to surprise us when we take risks for your kingdom in our relationships, with our time, with our money, with everything that you've given us. And in so doing, conform us more and more to the image of your son who gave everything that was such a costly giving so that we could have everything it is in his holy name that we pray amen hey this is josh and i hope you enjoyed this conversation today we know that the holy spirit is moving in our community in a powerful way and we hope you'll share this message with your community If you'd like to be involved in any of the wonderful things going on in our campus here in Ocala, you can learn more about us at graceocala.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Well, we'll see you on the next Grace Church podcast. Go in peace.